Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm uh, an Arsenal fan from findpubsport.com, and you can find us at findpubsport.com on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Hi, I'm Zach. I'll be representing Liverpool Corners today. Um, I'm from AnfieldIndex.com and I write on EPLIndex.com too, or I did do before I started other commitments, but I'm trying to get back there. Yeah, I'm with Anfield Index, we've got an app, other such things. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Great, thanks so much for joining us guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with Steve and Arsenal. What's the news out of the Emirates? Uh, well, we had uh, a big but little bit worrying win against Newcastle over the weekend, um, January uh, 2nd. 1-0, um, we looked very shaky, but Petacek saved us at one end and Koscielny popped up for a goal at the other, so that was it was very nice. Um, it's one of those things, isn't it, when you people say title-winning form, when it suits them, people say title-winning form is playing badly and winning. Um, whereas many times teams will play badly, win, and then don't end up winning the title. So I'd rather we were playing well and winning. Um, It would be a little bit more um, comforting uh, as a fan. Um, But having said that, the team are doing pretty well in terms of results with the 4-0 reverse Southampton put to one side. Um. A lot of people got on the bandwagon of slagging off Arsene Wenger in the summer for not bringing anyone in. But to say that they didn't bring any outfield players in and we've got to this transfer window, having lost both of our main deep-lying central midfielders and still managed to be on top of the league, I don't think we can complain too much. It looks like uh, this El Nenny character is going to turn up very, very soon, depending on work permits, etc., um, whether he's going to be around in time for the midweek round of fixtures and whether he'll be put straight into the squad for the midweek round of fixtures after this weekend's FA Cup, uh, I don't know. It's, it's unlikely he's going to be in the squad for this weekend's FA Cup. I'm sure if, if the deal goes through beforehand, there's a chance that he might be thrown straight into the FA Cup squad because I think Wenger will rotate anyway, um, which we'll go on to a little bit more. Uh, later on for the discussion point uh, about which competitions to prioritise because I think um, in Arsenal's case it's got to be the Premier League Wenger wants another league uh, not to uh, spoilers alert that's going to be what I say later on as well <laughs> um, but yeah I think it's been it's been a bit of a weird week very quiet in terms of news waiting for the Elneny um, transfer to come through 
in the meantime, sitting top of the league, that can't change this weekend at least because it's an FA Cup instead. It would be great to go through. Of course, um, I expect Arsenal will play a weakened side, but I have no doubt as well that Sunderland will also play a weaker side. Uh, and an Arsenal weekend side should have enough for a Sunderland weekend side. The only other news is that we've brought Serge Nabry back from West Brom. He had a very disappointing time there. Um, depending on which side of the fence you're on in it, some Arsenal fans are saying that he was basically put to one side and castigated by Tony Pulis because he couldn't fit into the Tony Pulis um, style of play. While... Others say evidence suggests that he just didn't have the attitude to play at a lower level. Um, and whether that reflects on how his career turns out, we shall see. What we saw of him before he had a, a long-term injury, which ruled him out of the whole of last season, the season before that, what we saw of him was very good. He got a few goals. He looked like a very strong contender for that right-hand side, um, particularly in periods where Theo Walcott was struggling. So, We'll see what happens with Nabri. We'll see what happens with El Elneny. Um, but at the moment, Arsenal, top of the league, a couple of points clear. Uh, so can't complain. And we've made it without making any signings in the summer, apart from Petr Cech, who, granted, is keeping us at the top of the league at the moment. So, uh, so relatively happy. Yeah, as you absolutely should be. Uh, there are some in the fantasy community that are talking about how Alexis Sanchez and Giroud struggle to play together, and with Sanchez's return seemingly uh, soon uh, impending, do you think that that is an issue on pitch as well? Um, I think if it is an issue, then what an issue to have. Um, if your biggest problem any given time it is potentially that Alexis Sanchez might be returning to your starting lineup, um, then I don't think it's too much of a problem. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm more worried about that central midfield position. We need El Nenny and we could do with uh, Cathola or um, Coquelin. I forgot his name. He's been out for so long. Um, coming back uh, sooner than expected through some sort of miracle of medicine, which isn't going to happen. Um but I think if Sanchez comes back into the team, he may not dovetail so well with Giroud, but I think you'll see more rotation in terms of playing Theo Walker up front again. Um, and a few times this season, he started with Walker up front and brought Giroud on late on and both have scored or vice versa. He'll have started with Giroud and brought Walker on later and they've both scored. Um, so, I mean, the number of times I've tweeted this year about how many people were calling for the for a striker to come in because Walcott and Giroud didn't cut it in the Premier League and this season they've both done very well in a uh, games to goal ratio so i think whether or not sanchez has a detrimental effect uh, on the arsenal team we shall see but i i don't it's not something that worries me to be perfectly honest um in terms of fantasy maybe just because it te- Giroud at the moment is the figurehead for that attack. Um, so you could put him in your team and you know that if Arsenal score, he has a good chance of being on the score sheet. Uh, however, when Sanchez comes back, that dilutes that somewhat because Giroud might get one or two, Sanchez might get one or two, and then obviously Walcott's around and Aaron Ramsey likes a shot. So, um, yeah, I think from a fantasy perspective, maybe steer clear of of those players at least until we see whether Sanchez comes back in with any relevant form 
Um, but from an Arsenal squad point of view, I don't think he can really complain when someone like Sanchez is just about to return from injury. Absolutely fair. Uh, Zach, it's been a minute since uh, you've been on. What have your feelings about Liverpool been lately? Um, Very mixed feelings. Um, You know, we've had some decent 1-0 wins, but we've been tated by West Ham and Watford, which is just, you know, we're just supplying the banter for the Premier League, you know. We're just, um, you know, we're trying to give you your enjoyment. Um, Other than that, it's been okay. Yeah, we got um we had a good start to the League Cup semi final, which is which is obviously pretty cool. Um beat Stoke one nil away. Um previous fixture at West Ham was obviously unacceptable. That was two nil at Upton Park. And then um in before that there was the one nil up at Sunderland, which was just a weird performance. Um created a few chances but we looked so rocky in the second half once we finally did go ahead. Uh, the other key word is injuries. Oh my dog! How many injuries can one team have? Hmm. We've had we our there's just hamstrings tearing everywhere. I mean, just today, Torre and Ibe have been ruled out. Torre was just cramped, but he, he can't play three days later against Exeter, which is tomorrow. And Ibe's going to be out for like two, three weeks or something like that. So that's like five hamstring injuries or something stupid. And it's just, it's it's. Not a good time. We've had to recall uh, this week. We've recalled three lone lone players: uh, Thiago Ilori for centre back, um, who hasn't figured at all for Villa. Um, so he's going to be completely negative in terms of match fitness. Um, Ryan Kent, who really impressed at Coventry City, they were really sad to let him go. Um, he's been called back, and Shea Ojo has been called back from Wolves. Uh, he also impressed, but sort of faded out of the team towards the end of his stint. So yeah, we, we've got three three bodies through the door, which is good. Um, we just signed uh, Gruwich off Red Star Belgrade as well, which is you know a good signing for the future. But apparently he's going back to Red Star. I don't really want him to because we do need you know we just need all the bodies we can get at the moment, especially with some of our centre mids being injured and then the, the centre mids that are still fit, you know, slotting into centre back like Emre Jan and Lucas have been doing so. We still need centre mids if if we are going to be forced to deploy centre mids at the back. So yeah, it's a bit of a difficult time really. Um, the, the Premier League and English football scheduling is just an absolute joke right now for us. So I suppose it's our own fault for trying to you know stay in all the competitions that we can. But uh, yeah, well I suppose we'll talk about that later. You know, scheduling and cup competitions and whatnot. Yeah, otherwise it's it's okay. It's been a bit up and down. Yeah, uh, another one of those high-profile injuries being Sturridge. Seemingly, uh, his return has been delayed even further. Uh, we talked a little bit on, on Twitter a, a couple weeks ago when you mentioned that you should be looking at strikers in the window and how crazy that sounds considering how many you have on the books. Is that something that you continue to feel you need to improve on and is, crazy though it may sound, bringing Balotelli back an option? Um, bringing Balotelli back is not an option. Um, ben, he's too similar to Benteke, and you know we've seen Liverpool down the years cannot play with big forwards. Literally since even casting my mind back, the last big striker who like was in the team to sort of you know facilitate others, and but 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 pitching as well. The last one who was any good was probably Crouch, and he left. In 2007, you know, it's like it's 2016 now, and in that period, we've had Balotelli, Benteke, Lambert, Carroll, 
there's probably others that I've forgotten. But, you know, it just doesn't work for us. We spent such big money on these big strikers and they never seem to work for us. We don't have we don't have like a Jesus Navas or, you know, like an Eriksen who's who's a dead ball specialist. We don't have any of these awesome wingers like, you know, as I mentioned, Navas. Um you know, anyone who can just whip a cross in straight on someone's head. The best crosser of the ball at Liverpool is probably the reserve left back, which is Brad Smith. And he wasn't a Liverpool player until November when we like re-signed him um, after having let him go, um, but holding his, holding his, you know, his paper so he couldn't play for anyone else. So, yeah, super weird. The, the squad, what the hell Brad Rodgers thinking? I just don't know, because the squad simply is not built to, to for a Benteke or Balotelli or a mm. Lambert. We've got we've got all these attacking mids who are just completely blunted because there's nothing in front of them or they have to create for themselves and it's just, you know it's just really difficult. I wouldn't bring Balotelli back in. I would be looking at a striker. I mean, a couple of weeks ago the priority was a centre back and a goalkeeper. Now, having looked at it, after, you know, post Southampton destroying in the in the League Cup, you know, six one. Since then. We've literally scored like one a game. It's back. It's back to like we need to find some sort of creative solution. Sturridge was fit for that game, but you know he's not going to be fit. Um, I would have had Michi from from Marseille, but he's just signed a new contract till twenty twenty. So God knows how much it's going to cost to get him. Lacazette, apparently, you know, price has come down a little bit because he's not in great form. But you know how like how like are we to get him without Champions League football? So it's just it's really difficult. We've been linked with with um, Matip, who's a centre-back, and um, Sane, who's sort of like a, you know, like a, a winger slash central creative player. I don't really know too much about him. I'm not a great Bundesliga viewer. But yeah, I I'd, I would take a striker, but it doesn't look like Klopp's looking in that area. Um, hopefully we just get Origi back soon because he was actually showing some decent form up until his injury. So just fingers crossed for that, to be honest, because I don't really expect a striking options come in this window for Tottenham uh, I wasn't on Sunday's show as I was super sick uh, so I'll touch on that match a little bit uh, against Everton which felt very winnable for the majority of it uh, it was very end to end near the end of the match but Kane and Davis both hit the framework early on and then Lennon scored against us because of all people of course Aaron Lennon scored against us and because we equalized the streak of Tottenham never losing when Aaron Lennon scores in a match uh, has continued which is absolutely absurd that in all of the years of Aaron Lennon playing at Tottenham and now against them that we've still never lost when he has scored a goal uh, I think Della Ali looked very good uh, obviously scoring the goal and on a play that is now what I've begun to refer to as an in-play set piece. Every time Della Ali makes kind of a triangular shaped run, he starts centrally, cuts left, and then cuts in behind the defense and Alderweireld just boots it as far as he can and Della Ali gets onto it and we try it twice every match and we're starting to see it have devastating effect. Uh, and it's very hard to stop Del Ali from making that run when both of your center backs are paying attention to Harry Kane. So uh, long may that continue. Uh, another kind of step in, in the right direction for Pochettino, who at times can feel a little stagnant tactically, leaves things up to his players, which I think is to his benefit, not necessarily to his detriment. But uh, to have something like that, where it's, it's almost American football-like, where you have a play that you're calling in, 
and then just tell them to go do it. Um, that has worked out for us very well. Christian Erickson has received a lot of criticism lately. Uh, not going to say that I haven't been criticizing him at all. Um, but he played a lot more centrally against Everton and looked a lot more lively and effective than he had previously. And Eric Lamela is so... It, it's so black and white, the year he's having this year versus last year. Um, he, he With Erickson's kind of struggles, Lamela has largely become our main facilitator of the ball. Della Ali likes to beat players, as does Dembele. Harry Kane's usually waiting in the box, hopefully uh, waiting to get a chance. But Lamela has been creating and, and been excellent. And not only is he doing well in attack, but he's also been a, a giant pest for both uh, their attacking players, where he's willing to track back, and their defensive players kind of nipping at heels and stuff. He's going to start picking up a lot of yellow cards. I think he's already our second most fouling player at the club right now. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to get a little bit of a reputation if he keeps it up. But compared to the kind of languid pseudo not caring Lamela that we saw last year I think it's a, a very good thing to see him you know he has this all of this energy and it's just currently being a little misdirected and I think if we start to see it being kind of channeled in a more efficient way then he could be uh, in for an even better second half than he had first half in terms of club news not tons going on uh, a few murmurs that Levy may be ready to significantly invest in January but We've heard that before, so obviously going to wait and see if that turns out to be the case. Kenny McAvoy, a.k.a. Baby Bale, has left the club after having been on loan for, I don't know, the last two or three years now. Um, So that looks like uh, it is the end of his time at Tottenham. It doesn't just look that way. It has actually happened. Um, Other news for us, uh, we have allegedly signed Shiloh Tracy. Uh, Sure. Um, It's from Ebb's Fleet. And no one knows anything about him. So if you see any Tottenham fans pretending they do, uh, just ignore them and then know that they're just making stuff up. Uh, for me, as I, I tweeted out, I, it's just good at accumulating young talent. That's really a bad thing. Um, so hopefully that is, is a player that we can look forward to further down the line. Uh, and then news coming out today uh, that our scouts have, have been tracking Omar Nyase from Lokomotiv Moscow for quite some time and that we're, we're making contact now uh, is a striker that we could use to back up Harry Kane. Um, haven't seen him play much live, but we'll be delving into that more now that uh, it is a name that looks like there, there is foundation in it, as there has been confirmation that we've had scouts over there in Russia. Uh, and uh, you know, they, they could be looking at other people, who knows. But um, Russia maybe not the hotbed of talent that many once thought it could be. Uh, so yeah, other than that, not really much going on. We keep waiting to hear what's happening. A whole lot of people are writing that we are interested in Barahino, and a whole lot of people saying that we aren't. Only time will really tell on that. I, I'm on the record with saying I don't think we want him necessarily anymore, considering the fact that we finally got rid of a lot of the divas that were formerly at the club. Not really sure we need another one. There's no doubt, doubting the talent, and I'm confident that Pochettino could... Um, kind of straighten his arrow a little bit if necessary, but I'm not really sure if that is necessary, if we have other targets, uh, especially with Paul Mitchell's little black book that we keep hearing so much about in his five options at every position. So uh, we'll see. He could probably be got for around $20 million, maybe a little less now, considering he hasn't played much this season, but 
Uh, again, not really sure that's the direction I would like us to go. Now, uh, moving into the topic, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, both, both Steve and Zach did, with multiple competitions. We're heading into an FA Cup weekend, uh, and so as we do so, we come into a competition where Zach, your Liverpool side, still in four competitions. Steve, you're about to be in three, as are Tottenham. What competition do you think your club is most prioritizing, and do you agree with how you feel the club is probably aiming to, t- to tackle these challenges? Well, as I touched on earlier, from an Arsenal point of view, um, the Premier League will be the priority. Um, having just won two FA Cups in a row, that is great. I am over the moon that Arsenal have won it twice in a row. But the chances of doing it three times in a row are very, very small, um, even if we played our first team. So I think that what will happen is we'll see a rotated side on uh, over the weekend. I say a rotated side. There are limited options um, for rotation, given that um, it looks like Meta Debushi's gone and all of the injuries through our midfield. So we'll still likely see a relatively strong core, but you might see some of the younger players like Alex Iwobi uh, given a chance. Whether Serge Nabry comes straight back into the squad will depend on his match fitness uh, and what he's showing in training this week. Um, but yeah, I think it will be, and rightly so, um, in terms of whether or not I agree, I think prioritising the league, this is the best chance that Arsenal are going to have had in a very long time and it might be the best chance they have um, for a number of years because I think Pep Guardiola is going to be in the Premier League next year. Whichever club gets him um, is going to have uh, a big boost and all of the other clubs are going to spend big in the summer as well. And that's not necessarily a watchword for quality because add up how much Petrček cost Arsenal for £10 million, um, versus however much everybody else spent on whoever they spent um, and Arsenal are top of the league at the moment. So we'll see how that rolls out towards the end of the season. But, you know, it's it's sort of a case of this could be the last chance Arsene Wenger has to win the Premier League um, with 18 months left on his contract. He might not have the same chance next season. It might not be as inconsistent next season as this year. So I think this year the league is the priority. Obviously, Arsenal would love a Champions League. We've got a very tough draw. Um, some people say Bayern Munich are the best team in Europe at the moment. Some people say it's Barcelona. It sort of depends on what kind of football you like to watch, I guess. But we've got Barcelona. And if we can get past Barcelona in the last 16... It's anybody's game. Arsene Wenger will play our strongest possible eleven for those two games. If we go through, could be a huge confidence boost for the rest of the season. Yes, that's more fixtures. But at the same time, if we've beaten Barcelona, we can beat anyone and the team will start to feel like that. So I feel like he'll prioritise the Premier League in the long term. He'll play the strongest possible team in the Champions League and he will play a weakened team in the FA Cup. And I would agree with all of that. Yeah, I definitely agree with with the point that this year the league can be had, and I'll touch a little bit on on Tottenham because I think we should follow a very similar mindset where top four equally seems there for the taking. Is that how you feel about Liverpool's chances, Zach, or are you focusing on a Capital One Cup title where you may well be facing crosstown rivals Everton? Um, I'm not sure if we have like a sole competition to aim for, and I think that's you know. That could ultimately be sort of a downfall because we are 
you know, scattergun in sort of, if you know what I mean. We're still, we're still kind of hoping for top four. We still want to be in the Europa League. We still want to be in the League Cup. We still want to be in the FA Cup, you know. So, obviously, the League Cup's a priority because we're obviously so far into it. We've committed so many resources to it. We've got injuries through it. Like, we've done good performances, and now we want to, you know, go to the end. So, that's definitely one of our big, big uh, priorities right now, especially because, yeah, we could play Everton in the final. That would be absolutely awesome. Um, the Europa League is definitely going to be a priority when it comes back around, simply because Klopp will want to do well in it. Um, I think we should prioritise it. I think it's our, probably it represents our best chance of getting into the Champions League next season because, you know, top four seems like a tall order right now um, with with the gap that already exists to the, to the stronger clubs above. As for the FA Cup, I hope we play like a really weak team because we literally cannot afford to... We cannot afford to play a strong team. We don't even have one to field. It's got to be all kids for me. I would 100% play kids as much as possible. Um, even ones that haven't played, you know, all the ones that have come back um, from their loan deals, I would throw them straight in. Um, anyone who's not played regularly for the last few months, I would throw in, such as, you know, Joe Allen. Um, I would have played Torre if he'd have been fit, but obviously that's not to be. Um, I'd give Benteke a game simply because he's not played too much football of late. It's one of those. Anyone who has any fresh legs plays. Don't play Mrejan. Don't play Moreno. Don't play Klein. And just see, like, see if we get through. If we go out, so be it. Who gives a shit? Like, we've had, we've been beaten by lower teams many times. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm sure the the papers and Twitter will have a laugh at us um, for a week or so. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, keeping your players fit doesn't really matter. I'd rather we were fit for the more important competitions, which is at the minute the League Cup, simply because of how far we're in it and in the Europa League and obviously a potential top four push, which may or may not materialise. The FA Cup, I'd love to be in it, but sorry, we we've, 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 um, we just don't have the resources to compete. Yeah, I, I uh, think that Tottenham are likely to do what you said, Zach, which is just kind of focus on all of them. But I kind of hope that we would not do that coming into the season uh as i said last year i was really kind of hoping for you know top six and a deep cup run we did it last year made it to the capital one cup final losing to chelsea uh and finished fifth uh, which was a surprise at the time thinking we would be locked in for sixth but coming into the season i felt we got younger as del ali was breaking into the side and that really next year was the year when all these pieces would come together. Well, as Steve mentioned and as I touched on as well, this is the year. This is the best opportunity Tottenham will have at top four. Uh, or it, it is the best chance we've had probably since Bale left. And so regardless of whether or not the squad is at its best, which it's not because it's so young. If we had this exact same team three years in the future, I think it would be a title challenging side. But we're not there yet. Um so it's it's time for me to have to reevaluate what I want from the season. And I think top four is definitely achievable for the Tottenham side and that it needs to be the priority. And the biggest threat to us reaching top four isn't the other clubs. Uh, Manchester United struggling. Chelsea obviously out of it now. Leicester, hopefully we can catch them up. Um, I, I, it's, it's us. It's, it's how we try to divvy up these competitions. Harry Redknapp was awful at it, and it cost us 
staying in the Champions League the year when we had a great run. It cost us the next year when we didn't invest in January and we brought in Louis Saha and Ryan Nelson when we were sitting third and had an excellent chance at uh, staying third, which would have kept us in the Champions League, but we fell to fourth. And then Chelsea won the Champions League and knocked us out. So it's very important that we get this month right. And at the beginning of the season, I think Europa League was really the basket into which we had put all our eggs. Um, But now we've drawn Fiorentina again, obviously the team to beat us last year. They're second in Serie A. I'm more okay with us shifting all the way to the Premier League. The the Fiorentina match is actually just four days after we face City at the Etihad. And so earlier, I probably would have wanted to play the stronger 11 against Fiorentina. Figure you're going to lose to City anyway. What's the point? But, you know, we had the 4-1 against City earlier in the season. Now if we beat them, we draw them closer back to us. So we have that, like, 1% chance of hoping for a title, which is super unlikely. But if results go our way until then, and we do have some favorable matches uh, heading into February, it could be a thing that we could we could strive for. And similarly with uh, Leicester, we play them on Saturday and play them again on Wednesday. And earlier in the season, I probably would have wanted to win the FA Cup match, Tottenham being a cup side and all that. But now, with Leicester being one of the teams still ahead of us, if we got points against them in the Premier League, we pull them closer back to the pack. Maybe we can vault them, hasten their uh, fall out of the top four that many people think is inevitable. I'm not so sure myself. Uh, the absence of Jamie Vardy is a big one, but uh, all the people that are thinking that that signs doom and gloom for Leicester, uh, I, I think are kind of missing the point that they are actually surprisingly deep at forward. I'm not saying Leo Ojoa is an amazing striker, nor Shinji Okazaki, but they're both fully serviceable. And Andre Kramaric was chased by a lot of European big boys and ended up at Leicester, and we haven't even seen him this year. So uh, I'm not sure that's as much of a gimme as some may think. But yeah, I would rather beat Leicester in the Premier League than in the Cup now. And I'm concerned that the club and Pochettino will be chasing all of these competitions equally, which could lead us to falling short on all fronts, which I think would be the worst of all worlds if we made it to the second round of the FA Cup and we finished fifth and we made it to the round of 16 in the Europa League. None of that really helps us. And and the uh, lure of Champions League funds is greater this year as we have a stadium to build. And not saying that we haven't always wanted to get Champions League. There's that really stupid image of that guy saying top fours are everything, which is used by everyone all the time against Tottenham fans. Um, But right now it's very important that we get that money. And it's not just the Champions League money, but obviously you get more money from the Premier League the higher you finish up the table. So I, I very, very much hope that that's what we do. But I think it's more likely that we will continue to contend on all fronts without investing. I'd be fine with us contending on all fronts if we invested, brought in another forward, brought in another midfielder, specifically a defensive midfielder. I know that sounds crazy because we have so many midfielders, but there's no one really that can play the dire role short of Bentaleb, who's really more of a flex in that position. He's in a true defensive midfielder. And a center back, a right-sided center back, as Fazio has clearly fallen out with the club. We're trying to ship him off to Sevilla. Um, so we need to strengthen there. If we strengthen in those three positions, I would be fine with us trying to challenge on all fronts. But we won't, so we shouldn't. Uh, And that's the end of me 
ranting on and on about that. I did not tell you guys we would talk about this before this because I didn't know it was happening. But uh, just seeing that uh, Swansea are going to stick with uh, Curtis, Alan Curtis, for the remainder of the season. Uh, just initial reactions to that. Um, I'm still a little bit sad that Monk's not there because I think they'd have survived. Um, and I think that a, a manager, I've said this before, so apologies, um, but I think some manager at some point has to be given a chance to turn a club around, otherwise nobody's ever going to learn how to do it. However, that train has sailed, as Austin Powers said. Um, so, yeah, if, um, if Swansea think that Curtis can do the job, um, and it might just might lead to a, a longer term thing further on. He looks like he's he's done a good job so far. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a good a good sign. It's it's just a bit of a shame. Swansea have got a bit of a um, a reputation for being loyal in inverted commas um, because they promoted from within, um, but they're at risk of of being a club who changes their manager every season, just like a lot of other clubs do. So it's been a bit of a disappointment from for me for, from Swansea City this season. Um, so he's as good an appointment as any in the short term, and let's see what they do in the long term. Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm not really sure what else they could have done. I mean, they could have got Brendan Rodgers back in, but is that not just going backwards? I agree. Um, I don't think they should have got rid of Gary Monk. I thought, that, you know, they would have stayed up. Um, they weren't. They, they were sort of like, I don't know, they were kind of unlucky in some games. I mean, to Liverpool, they only lost, I think, they beat, is that when we beat them one? I think we beat them 1-0 at Anfield, and, and it was, you know, it was just a nothing penalty. Um, it was just like played against his hand, sort of, so it wasn't like the clearest of penalties. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't, I just, you know, I, just, I don't really know what's going on at Swansea at the moment. Like, they, they seem to play really good football one minute, like, oh, for a couple of months, and then they've obviously had this horrendous streak, so... Yeah, I I do hope they stay up because they're not they're not a, they're not um a club I have any sort of grievances with. It's just um it, it's looking a bit tricky for them to be honest. Yeah, and I think winless in eight is what they went under Monk, which is what led them to make the change. I also think it would have been better if they just stuck with him because I, I think they have too much talent there to to have struggled in such a way so much further. But they have looked better under under Curtis since he took over. Uh, I think the the city match was a great one for them. They, they will feel very hard done by that they weren't able to even win that one. Um, and they they've looked good since Sigurdsson is starting to look like an actual footballer again. The defense looks a little more resolute. Forward is still the issue for them, and thank goodness no host of this show ever bet that Buffett Timmy Gomez would score fifteen goals because that would be really dumb. Um, but uh, they they have the pieces there, Andre Au. Looked very bright in his first month in the league and then kind of went off the boil as well. I think it'll be interesting to see if they do actually move John Joe Shelby. Uh, apparently he's he's nearing a potential move to Crystal Palace, so we'll see if that happens. They do have some good midfielders there. It would let Jack Cork in the side or Kisun Young or get, get all of those guys in there as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Swansea will be safe. Now that they've kind of turned things around, it's. I think it's easier to go back and say, well, maybe they just shouldn't have gotten rid of Monk. But they did look really bad under him those last three or four weeks. It looked like the team had given up. And, and like I said then, 
there are times when a team just needs a new voice in their ear. Even if you're saying the exact same thing, you, you get tired of the same person telling you to do the same thing and it just doesn't work and they keep telling you and it keeps not working. And it's just very easy to kind of fall out from that situation. I hope that uh, Monk is able to find another first team job or they try to bring him back in because I think you hit the nail on the head there, Steve, that we, we kind of view Swansea as, as Barcelona used to claim, being a little bit more than a club. Uh, I don't think Barcelona's like that anymore. But... Um, like you had all the, the fun novelty stories like how they were training at a public gymnasium before they got their own training thing and, and how close they were with the community and I do think that getting rid of Monk uh, may have kind of broken some of that but uh, I, I think it's it's always a good idea to promote from within it prevents from there being too much overhaul in the overall coaching staff in uh, the style of play being used, especially midseason, it can be hard to reattach. And I, th- I think Klopp has been unharshly criticized already. I-, I saw an article that was already saying, is Rodgers better than Klopp? And I was like, what? He, he came in yeah. midseason with a player group ridiculous. that isn't He's his. playing with a different squad yeah, and all this stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's the people that think that the real life is FIFA. <clears throat> You're like, oh, you yeah. brought in somebody new, so it should be working now. You're like, what? It's the people who can't look past the black and white. Like, oh, Brendan Rodgers' team beat beat that team, but you lost 4-0 to them. So well, that must mean that Brendan Rodgers is better against this club <laughs> than he was. You know what I mean? It's just it's daft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a sample size of one. Yeah, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. So um, I, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine with him retaining somebody that was already in-house. I think that it can lead to problems like what happened at Tottenham when we promoted Sherwood uh, because I doubt that now Alan Curtis will be willing to step down peacefully at the end of the year. He'll either think he deserves to be a head coach somewhere or leave for a similar role elsewhere. So it's, it's, again, this might be a a circumstance where my uh, brief experience with this sport may be harming me, but I can't think of many examples where you've had somebody go from kind of backroom staff or assistant manager stepping up and then somebody else coming in and just being like, oh, okay, I'll step back down. I suppose Giggs did it uh, after Moyes left and then stepped back down when, when Van Gaal came in. But I'm, I'm fine with it. It is to the point where you're like, well, if you weren't going to actually appoint anybody, why did you get rid of Monk? But I, I as, as Steve said, I, I think they'll be fine. They should be able to stay up. Where they go next year will be very interesting. I thought the Bielsa shout would have been very fun. But I'm not sure it would have been the right appointment for them, considering they are a club that promotes such stability. Bringing in kind of a loose cannon like Bielsa could have been problematic for them. Uh, and now we can move on from that tangent to the things that I actually told you that we'd talk about heading into the show, which is uh, Player Watch. We've, over the past few episodes, discussed what was happening with our clubs in 2015, what our hopes were for 2016. Now in Player Watch, we're going to talk about who was your club's player for the annual year of 2015. We'll start off with Steven Arsenal. I think there's only uh, only one answer to that. It's got to be Mesut Ozil. It ha- absolutely has to be. Um, strong shout to players like Hector Bellerin and um, Coquelin for their emergence in the last 12 months because it was after New Year's last year that Coquelin and really came along and, and Bellerin's been showing good form as well. But it has to be um, Mesut Ozil. Frustratingly, if, if I think we should start a campaign to uh, to make the season match up to the calendar year because 
that was the case, Arsenal would have won the league in 2013 and 2015. Um, because for some reason, we can only do it half a season at a time. So keep your fingers crossed, Kev. I know you'll be particularly hoping uh, <laughs> that uh, that they can continue on that form of only playing for half a season. This might be the year that they buck that trend. It's, it's, it has happened at some point, surely. But um, 2015 has been an excellent year for Arsenal. We finished last season very strongly. We started this season strongly enough that we've uh, we've put more points on the board than anyone else um, going into the new year. And a lot of that has been down to Meza Ozil. And actually, I forgot to mention Petr Cech, who has been vital as well. But but Meza Ozil is, is, the, uh, is the player for me anyway. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Zach, who would you say was your player of 2015 for Liverpool? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> That good, huh? I didn't know he played for Liverpool. He, I wish he did. Um, I don't really know. Coutinho, maybe. Um, he's had a couple of purple patches. There's been no one consistently good. I mean, Coutinho blows hot and cold. Um, you know. What about Midyalay? Finished 2015 with the most clean sheets. Yeah, but it's all, it's all subjective. I mean, <laughs> the amount of points he's cost us as well is just, you know, it goes, it goes against him. It's some of the some of the mistakes were glaring. Um, so it's, it's a tough one. It really is because there's just been nobody. Um, what a question! It's, yeah, it's gonna have to be Coutinho, and even he's been inconsistent. I'm not gonna lie, just for his screamers and his general trying to get us into the top four last season. Other than that, probably Henderson, but he had like eight weeks out between um, August and. In fact, it was more than eight weeks because he had a recurrence. It was like 12 weeks, yeah. you know, since the end of August. So, um, yeah, it's probably Coutinho, if I'm honest with you. But even he's been hot and cold, so I wouldn't be putting him down as a player of the year as such. Yeah, just the the best of, of a... Yeah, maybe the not best, best of bunch. a very underperforming bunch. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, for Tottenham, it's obviously very hard to look past Harry Kane, who's ascendance to the Premier League all-time greats. All right, I'm getting carried away. But uh, he obviously had a, a dream 2015. Started it off with the two goals against Chelsea when we beat him 5-3 on New Year's, only bettered by his uh, performance against Arsenal where he scored both goals in the 2-1 win over them. That loop tatter, I still wake up <laughs> with dreams of just, oh, what a good time. Uh so Harry Kane, obviously, super incredible. Eriksen has been pretty poor in 2015, actually. Uh, other, Hugo Lloris, his understated heroics are, are the reason that we've even been able to stay in, in as many matches as we have throughout the end of the 2014-15 season, beginning of 2015-16. And I, I know a lot of people love to get into the goalkeeper debate and stuff, but I wouldn't rather have another keeper at Tottenham. Neuer, sure, but short of that, I, I'm not sure I would prefer really anyone. Um, he, he's been that impactful for us, both on and off the pitch. And uh, the the way he handled the France situation, uh, not to get political or anything <laughs> at all, but um, he, he, he just epitomizes class and I think brings up the level of the club both in and out. And so very pleased to have him at the club. Um and, and when everybody keeps saying we're a world-class player short, that's what everybody's saying right now. Tottenham are one player away from being title contenders. We need one world-class player. We already have one. 
He just happens to be in net. Uh, and, and so obviously love having Hugo at the club. I, I'm going to go with Harry Kane because it's the obvious choice, but Hugo needs his, his spot in the sun, and, and hopefully he'll, he'll get some more uh, if we do manage to make it into the Champions League and people can start to see him on an even bigger stage. All right, well, this is a bit of a shorter one, but there are just three of us, so we will get out of here. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now be a good time. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as I said before, I'm Steve, Arsenal fan, uh, but don't hold that against me. Uh, I run findpubsport.com, which is a website where you can find venues to watch live sport, and you can find us uh, on Facebook and on Twitter at findpubsport. Also, if you live in South East London and you need a personal trainer, give me a shout. <laughs> I like I like the plugging of the uh, of the business at the end. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah th- thanks for listening again, guys. Um, it's really cool of you. Um, all I'd like to plug is Anfield Index, obviously. Um, there's a great amount of work and content going into that website right now. Um, Gags is making real waves and and continued support of everyone is is what makes us tick. So please, if, you, if you've got time, give that a look. Even even some neutral fans, uh, non-Liverpool fans, would find some of the stuff interesting, such as the pressing stats. Um, that's not just for Liverpool players and a huge amount of work goes into it. So please have a look at that if you can. Um, other than that, um, just my personal FPL podcast, which I do with Nick Truss. Uh, in the coming in the coming week or so, there's going to be a, a Marvel a sort of a sort of a Marvel and DC uh, coming together of mine and Kev's um, FPL podcast. So yeah. look out for that. It's going to be a titanic battle. Um, other than that, the Anfield Index app um, and my Twitter, which is Zach Forster underscore AI. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, guys. I am Kevin DeVries at Kevroff. Uh, I host the FPL Roundtable, which will also be going up tomorrow. I also write about fantasy over at blog.playtago.com and theeaglesbeak.com, so be sure to check those out as well. As uh, you were saying there, Zach, we're going to do a little crossover event, so that should be fun, so stay tuned to both his next week and then ours, which is the FPL Roundtable. And so until then, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.